Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Folks, we're having a little problem here with the files that the studio uploaded. No little porch theme tonight. Sorry about that. Um, it's always something with technology. You're dealing with electricity and the prince of the power of the air. So you just never know what's going to happen. Um, here we are. It's the porch. I'm Richard Crunch. I wasn't expecting that because I really enjoy that little melody that takes me into the mindset for the porch. So we're just going to wing it, getting back to basics, examining the Word of God, especially the Book of Acts Church. And you know what? They had to wing it. It didn't always go as planned, but they kept going. We take a deeper look into Scripture. We find the church the Lord intended and not the one man created. The porch has been around since January of 2000. Solomon's Pornchenka, Florida, non-for-profit established to restore the priesthood of the believer, create the atmosphere of the Book of Acts Church, and regain the world-shaking influence that they had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. If you have any questions, you can go to onsolomonsporch.org or firefalltalkradio.com. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site of Firefall Talk Radio as well as firefalltalkradio.com. We're going to get back to using the websites. But the main address is spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash firefalltalkradio. If you go to firefalltalkradio.com, there are ways that you can support us, and we appreciate each and every one of you that do. We appreciate the encouragement that you send us via email or social media. But I mentioned this last week, and I'm, I'm actually going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop fighting it. 1 Corinthians 9.11 says, If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? Later on in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, The Lord has prescribed that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And then Paul again says in Galatians 6.6, 6, let him who is taught the word share in all the good things with him who teaches. Well, I'm not looking to make a living from preaching the gospel. I'm, I'm doing other things for the kingdom and believing that that's what's going to come. But to pay for everything, websites, all the different things that we do, to buy software, to keep up to date, it, it takes a little bit of money. And, and you guys have been really good. And a couple of you have been really, really good. But... I'm asking if you've been blessed, then to be a blessing doesn't have to be great, whatever you can afford, but as the Lord leads, you shouldn't give begrudgingly or gritting your teeth. 
but you should do whatever the Spirit told you to do. So I'm going to ask that you do that, and we're going to keep asking, because Firefall Talk Radio, Firefall Media Group, and SRT, we, we've got some things planned, and it's going to take some finances to do it. Make sure you subscribe to us. Make sure you have to stay up to date. If you do, then you know a new Overwatch was posted on Sunday. Another one will be coming. We're going to try to stay with a weekly schedule. Update on the C-Conference video. Um, session 1 has been posted. You were sent a link. If you are a supporter or you were at the event, you should have been sent a link. If you haven't and you were there or you are a supporter, please let me know. Session 2 is, the, um, is in process of being edited. Hope I have it done and up by the end of this week and you'll be alerted. And I'm also considering options for access by others. Well, here we are, Sukkot 5780. Sukkah, it's here. Within the process. We're in the middle of it. Take time to rest in him and savor his freedom, because that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about this Feast of Tabernacles and how to live the tabernacle life. So let's start out with praising him. I praise the Lord for my home, for my wife, my family, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, our furry kids, our possessions, everything I have, all this technology allows me to use. Um, the ministry, he lets me work for him. I praise him for my salvation and the relationship that he and I have. Praise him for his protection, his Psalm 91 covering, which is still in effect, for the dreams and the visions and everything he's been showing me about the days ahead. I praise him for his healing virtues. I just praise him because I can praise him. I can turn on the praise and worship music. I can get under my prayer shawl. I can bathe in his presence and bask in his presence. It's awesome. Because I'm a new creation. And my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I'm excited we are living in prophetic times, especially if you watch what's going on in the Middle East and Turkey and Syria. A lot of potential things popping off. Oh, that... That was, that okay. was, no, no, Syria, I wasn't talking to you. I said Syria, different than Siri. That was pretty freaky. Siri decided to speak to me. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Um, let's get ready for his return. So let's pray for his favor and revelation. Praise him for it. Praying for the Middle East, especially what I just said. A lot of things going on there, some of it. I understand some of it I don't. Most of all, I am praying for Israel and the peace of Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. Praying for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. For our brothers and sisters around the world that are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. Uh, the slaughter of the innocents is ongoing. I don't expect it to stop until he comes back and stops it. The religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the ugliness to those of us that believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, please pray for the victims of sex trafficking, the children, the, the, the women, the, the teenagers, a young girl who was just rescued, 15 years old, could not deal with her experiences and committed suicide. It's, it's just a horrible, satanic, demonic thing. They, they need our prayers. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and, and healing, for us to get back to our divine design. For all who are sick right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, 
by faith, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Praying for Psalm 91 covering, divine protection, inspiration. I pray each and every day as I talk to the Lord for the remnant to wake up, to rise up, to find us, to to join with us and answer the call to action. And that anyone who's been blessed to be a blessing, I'm praying for him to open doors, open doors for the documentary, um, praying for it to get done. It's been a battle. It's been a struggle. Each one of us should prosper in accordance with his word so that we can help and bless others. If you've heard me on the porch or when I speak or in my book, The Supernatural Battle, I've talked about a man named Pastor Robert Shelley. Boy, I can't can't believe how much not having that music at the beginning threw me off. Uh, Pastor Robert Shelley had a heart attack. And here's the praise report about that. Uh, he lives with his daughter. A friend of his daughter just happened to stop by and visit her in the new house. That friend happened to be an ER nurse. She discerned what the symptoms was that Pastor Shelley was having, called the ambulance, and got him to the ER. So God was making a way even before Shelley knew there needed to be a way. Well, they got in there, and they, they were going to put stents in to clear his arteries, but they're too clogged, and they cannot be cateterized. Um, so they're going to try blood thinners and pain control, and he's been sent home as of tonight. So here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray laser-like focus in our prayers that he doesn't break up the clogs because if the clogs break up, then it could travel, cause a heart attack, cause a stroke. Here's what here's what we're praying. We're praying for the Lord to completely dissolve the clogs, heal his heart, remove all the blockages, and fix all the damage in Jesus' name. Uh, my wife, Deb, here in Orlando, I've added this, added this for her, so I'm hoping I'm right. Prayer for unsafe family members, healing, restoration, and favor in, in an ongoing matter that needs positive resolution. Stacy in Texas, well, I happened to check last minute. She, you know, she started her new job. She says, I'm alive, been at work, and trying to get into an after-school routine. So please pray for her. This is a little different, and it's a little overwhelming because of everything she has to do by herself. So pray for her and give her favor in everything that she does. Kim in Fort Mitchell says, I'm doing good. I praise the Lord for my salvation and my sobriety. He gave me a new life. It was a new beginning. He left me the choice to trust him no matter what the outcome was. I surrendered. That was one of my many spiritual experiences I've had since I got saved. When I feel lost or weary, I try to remember those moments. I praise him for his love and his protection. I praise him for this journey, which is not always easy. I praise him for my children, for my mother and my husband. praise him for everything that he provides, my dog Bruno and the Porch families. Father, uh, Maurice, who is our son, needs you. He needs your guidance and your protection. Father, deliver my firstborn son in Jesus' name. Save my husband. Finish what you started in his heart. Father, Pastor Shelley needs divine healing. Protect us and our families. Deliver me. Provide for me and let this financial mess come to an end in Jesus' name. And to all of that, I say amen. Lord, we just come to you. You know all these things. But we're doing what you said. We're making our needs known. We're coming in agreement. We're coming to you as one, as family, as your sons and daughters. 
we are boldly approaching the throne of grace and mercy. We're saying, Alpha, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we need you. We need healing. We need provision. We need favor. We need relief. We need rest. We need restoration. We need loved ones to be saved, healed, and delivered in Jesus' name. Send an angel. Uh, send a dream, a vision, Lord, to visit them yourselves. But we're praying them right now into your kingdom, translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son, into the Son of your love, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for restoring what has been damaged by this world. We thank you for breaking us free of the enemy and the enemy's attacks. We pray for restoration and favor. We pray that the enemy would have to repay sevenfold anything and everything that it has stolen, that every attack be broken. Lord, we stand in expectancy of you and what you're doing for us and with us and through us. We are looking for miracles so that we can give testimony and glory to you. So many people hurting, Lord, so many people in need, so much that the enemy is doing, a harvest that is so great. I'm praying, Lord, that you would bless those that listen, that you would lead others, that the remnant that we speak to and battle with would grow, that the call to action would go out, that minds would be changed, hearts would be healed, your spirit would fill us, you would empower us, that the things that we say and do would not only line up with your word, be the manifestation of your word, the signs and wonders that confirm your word, and that the world would be changed. Lord, bless the technology, clear our minds, open our hearts, and I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So here we are, Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles, 5780, or 2019 for us, began sundown on Sunday, October 13th, and will end sundown October 20th. Feast of Tabernacles is also known as the Feast of Booths. It's one of the three mandated pilgrimage holidays seen as an agricultural festival due to the fact it was originally considered Thanksgiving for the fruit harvest. Torah mandates the Israelites pilgrimage to the Holy Temple three times a year. Passover, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Sukkot. And Shavuot's first fruits, which happens along with Pentecost. They bring their sacrifices, they bring their donations, and everything that they may have promised to the Lord in the preceding months. According to some, it was the final date before the divine debts would be considered overdue. 
booths or sukkahs were built. They're hut-like structures that the represented what the Jews lived in during the 40-year wandering in the wilderness. And it reminds the Jews that their dwelling is temporary and all existence is fragile. It reminds them and us that we should appreciate the shelter of our homes and our bodies. Well, this is a reminder to us, and this is why I'm calling this the tabernacle life, that we live in temporary dwellings, our bodies in a world that is temporary. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. The tabernacle is a shadow of of the heavenly just as we are. 1 Corinthians 15, 44-49 It is sown a natural body, It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not the first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. We were born of the earth, we were born of the terrestrial, but now that we are born again, we will be transformed in the blinking of an eye into incorruptible extraterrestrial form. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. See, it was temporary. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are faithful, are true and faithful. So everything we experience, everything we have seen from Genesis through Revelation is a foreshadowing of things to come. It is a glimmer of what is heavenly, not even near as great as what is coming. But you see, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, it also goes by another name, the season of our joy. 
See, because joy dominates this holiday more than any other. Jewish people around the world construct the their sukkahs and the frail, you know, these frail huts or booths that remind us of God's provision and our dependence on them. If you go online and you put in Feast of Tabernacle Israel, you'll see that people create these things. And some of them are really ornate. They've got, you know, linen, uh, nylon. They've created these little tents or whatever. That, that's really not what it was supposed to be. Uh, I've told you, we did this at Christian Heritage. We We built our little huts with the with the trees and the branches and set up tables and we ate there every night. We didn't sleep there, but other people did because we, you know, our two young children, we they were still in school, so we had to take them home. But other other people stayed there, and there was something about it. There was something special about it. I think it would be great at some time for the Porch family to, to be able to go somewhere together and and celebrate the feast. Who knows? Maybe even Israel. Um, Sukkot is a mir- is a memorial to remind us that our ancestors, our Jewish brothers and sisters, had to build these things while they wandered in the wilderness. According to David Bricker, Christ in the Feast of Tabernacles, um, the Feast of Tabernacles was an annual reminder to the people that God is the great shepherd who has chosen to tabernacle among them to protect and bless them wherever they wander. If you want to see the historical implications, go to Leviticus 23, starting with verse 33. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to the Lord. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and you shall an offer you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly and you shall do no customary work on it. There are the feasts of the Lord's which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation. To offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering, a grain offering, a sacrifice and drink offerings, everything on its day. Beside the Sabbaths of the Lord, beside your gifts, beside all your vows, beside all your free will offerings which you give to the Lord. Also on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. And this is how it becomes the, the ingathering. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and the willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Right there, verse 43 was supposed to be a reminder of what they'd been through, a reminder of where they've come from. And 
I'm a firm believer that you don't dwell on the past, but you need to remember where you came from. It's a part of your testimony. It's a part of your journey. It's a part of your wilderness experience before you crossed over into the promised land of his salvation. How can you tell anybody where you've been if you don't remember or you ignore it or you're too embarrassed to talk about it? And they would decorate them and they would they would they would do these wonderful things to them and as I've seen done and there were four species of plants that were supposed to be held together and waved. One was the fruit of the citron tree, a palm frond, the leaves from the myrtle tree, and the leaves from the willow tree. And they were to wave them at the temple. And then on the seventh day, it's called Hashanah Rabbah, and special prayers would be recited. But the, the key here is this, and, and this is the tabernacle life. You can't forget what God has done for you. You can't forget his redemption. You can't forget his mercy. You can't forget his forgiveness of your sins. You can't forget the times that he forgave you of your screw-ups after you got saved and put it all under the blood. When you came before him contrite and repentant, he forgot about them and you moved on. He didn't hold it against you. We can't act like they didn't happen. We are flawed. We make mistakes, but he forgives Deuteronomy 4.9, take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Deuteronomy 11.19, you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. We have a problem with our youth today, and you want to know why? For parents have abdicated the upbringing of their children. They've abdicated the emotional forming of their children. They've abdicated the mental and uh, societal upbringing of their children. They've abdicated even the spiritual upbringing of their children. Even those that want to do it, they drop them off at children's church. Well, that's all well and good. But the fact is, it happens at home. The fact is, they follow your example. If you have babies, you have little kids, start reading them the Bible now. Get them a a Bible storybook and start reading to them. Start laying hands on them and blessing them. Start imparting the Word and the Spirit into them. And we have our our grandson, Jason, here with us, and I hold him in my lap, or he sometimes falls asleep, or he just leans his head back on my shoulder, and we watch TV together. I've got my hands around him, and I'm blessing him in the name of Jesus. I am imparting the Holy Spirit to him. I know that Jesse, my son, is doing that too. That's how their spirit man, that's how the resonance and what we're projecting gets absorbed by them. We want to change our children, then we have to change how we handle them. But, you know, the children of Israel were told, don't forget. Guess what? They did forget, just like we've forgotten. If you look at the book of Nehemiah, it tells us about the many years of corruption and non-observance that they didn't do, Sukkot. They didn't build the boots. Nehemiah 8 starting verse 13, now on the second day, the heads of the father's house of all the people with the priests and the Levites, Levites 
were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. They'd forgotten even what it meant, what it said. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountains. Bring olive branches, branches of the oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of the leafy trees, to make booths as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of their house, or in their courtyards, or the courts of the house of God, and in the open square of the water gate, and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths. And sat under the booths, for since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, until that day the children of Israel had not done so. And there was very great gladness. Also day by day, from the first day until the seventh day, he read from the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a sacred assembly, according to the prescribed manner. Israel failed. Although he never failed them, although he always took took care of them, although he watched after them, they couldn't do what he asked. And the truth was, all he was giving them was a ritual to remind them of him. He was even making it easier for them. He was giving them the recipe. They couldn't even follow that. And it's no wonder that they went after false gods. It's no wonder they did the things that they did. They couldn't do the little things. Folks, if he can't trust you with the little things, he's not going to trust you with the big things. And they failed almost immediately. Oh, my goodness, Moses is up on on Mount Sinai getting the tablets, and they're down there building a golden calf and having, you know, orgies and doing all the craziness, and that's why God wanted to strike them dead. But Moses interceded. How many of these feasts and rituals and essential commandments they failed to obey? The universal disobedience, only God knows. We we have some idea in Scripture. We have some record of history. But sometimes all we have to do is look at ourselves. All we have to do is see how we've done it. How many times have we made a promise to God? I I can't even tell you, and and this is not meant for anything more than just to explain it. I can't tell you how many people that have made promises. Oh, brother, I love your teachings, and you do so much for me, and as soon as X, Y, Z happens, I'm going to bless you. Or, oh, I want to help you with this project, and I commit X. And, of course, I never see that. I never hear, you know, I couldn't do it. Something happened. I never hear, I'm sorry. Um, And I give it up to the Lord. But I get it because he had it happen to him. If we're going to make a commitment to God, if we're going to say we're going to do something for him, if we're going to follow him, these rituals and the law are no longer in, in place. But guess what? Out of love, out of a heart a relationship with him. We should want to do the things he mandated us to do, perpetual commandments. 
Once you start doing them, you'll never be the same. It's been over 10 years. I, I don't even remember when it was, but it was well over 10 years ago that we started to celebrate Shabbat on Friday nights, our Saturday Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Well, well over a decade. I, I can't probably, maybe 15 years ago, where I decided that I would do no work on Saturday. And if I have to do something like go speak or I always go to the Lord. Lord, is it okay if I do this? Like we did the C conference. It was on a Saturday. I went before him. Are you okay with this? Yes. Okay. I did it. But the the blessing that comes from it, the rejuvenation that comes from it, the honoring of him and then him honoring us, one of the things I always post in social media um, on those times is if you honor God, he will honor you. So since the days of Joshua up until the time of Nehemiah, they'd not done it. And in some places they weren't even doing the Passover. Second Chronicles 30, verse 5, So they resolved to make a proclamation throughout all Israel, from Bathsheba to Dan, that they should come to keep Passover to the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. And what was the end result? All we have to do is go down to verse 26 of Second Chronicles 30. So there was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Second Chronicles thirty-five eighteen. There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet, and none of the kings of Israel had kept a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites. All Judah and Israel were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He was inspiring and using a ritual to inspire relationship with him, where eventually the ritual would be replaced by intimacy. Let me say that again. He used ritual to inspire relationship, where the ritual would eventually be replaced by intimacy which we know is what comes from the cross and the grace. And it talks about on, and the last day, and on the last day you shall do this. And there's so much about the last day. I may say that till next week. I don't know yet because it, it's so really important. But the last day was always special. And they had a special convocation. And they had a special prayer. And they did special things. Well, guess what? It was on the final day of the feast that Yeshua stood up. John seven thirty seven through 39, and on the last day, that great day of the feast, Yeshua stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. Water, living water. Water is a major part of Sukkot. The rejoicing at the place of water drawing. There's a water drawing that happens. And it was added later on. But the water was drawn from the 
Salom spring in Jerusalem every day of Sukkot with great ceremony, and they brought it to the temple. And the priest made a libation of the water and the wine. Oh, gee, water and wine. During the pouring of the water. And the interpreters traced the origins to Isaiah 12, verse 3, with joy, you shall drink water, you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. My goodness, water and wine, wells of salvation, the cross, the last things he poured out. The symbolism and the imagery has been there. But go to Isaiah 12, starting with verse 1. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you shall say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. Wells of salvation. Wells of water was always an expressive image in a hot country like Israel, Egypt, the Middle East. And it indicates, plural, that every person will have his own well of salvation springing up into everlasting life. John 4.14, whoever drinks the water of the water I shall give them will never thirst. But the water I shall give them will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. It says on that day, on what day? On the day of his millennial reign. The Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be. The Lord is one. His name is one. Zechariah fourteen nine. But the lines I read you out of Isaiah 12, 1 through 6, are so profound. Just those six lines of scripture are an indication of the millennial worship that we will experience. I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. You now comfort me. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. Jehovah is my strength and song. Therefore, with joy, we shall draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And because of that, we will praise the Lord. We will call upon his name. We will declare his deeds, his doings, his actions among the people. And we will make mention that his name is exalted, exalted above all the earth, exalted above every name. And we will sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things that are known in all the earth. So cry out and shout, Zion, great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. And the waters of blessings will flow on that day. Zechariah 14, starting with verse 1. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting the symbolism of the tabernacle life that has been there from day one, the the foreshadowing, the preview, if you will. Zechariah 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. 
for I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravaged. Half of the city shall go in to captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it towards the south. And then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee to Azal. As you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, thus the Lord God will come and all the saints with you. We've seen the picture of him coming. We've seen the picture of him leaving the throne. You've seen him landing on the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives splitting. And it shall come to pass in that day there will be no lights. The lights will diminish. It shall be in one day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And here it is in verse 8. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem half of them towards the eastern sea and half of them towards the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, and that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name is one. We get another picture of this in Zechariah 14. How important tabernacle, how important the feast of tabernacle, how important this mandated feast is. It shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. It shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So to everyone left on the earth after that time, to all the people that are living on earth during the millennial reign, if they don't come to Jerusalem, to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle, they will get no rain, which means they'll have no food, which means they'll have no harvest. See, that's not for us, the church, the bride. We're not on earth during that time. We're dwelling in that four-square city above Jerusalem, and he is our living waters forever. The flow of the living waters is his promise during the millennial reign, even in Ezekiel 47, starting with verse 1, in my vision, the man who brought me back to the entrance of the, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. So forgive me, I'm getting excited and, and I'm getting uh, caught up in the words because uh, I'm seeing this in my head and I'm feeling it in my spirit. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me through the eastern entrance. And there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, and then he led me across. The water was up to his ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across again. This time the water was up to his knees. 
After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. And then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Living waters, that's his... That's the imagery we get. We get it from him. We get it in our salvation. But there's another image we have to see. That illumination, light, was a focus of the Feast of Tabernacles. When the temple was still standing, they had this huge candelabra that was erected and, and, and lit in the court of the women. And the, the youths of the Levites would pour oil into the basins for the different branches of the candelabra, and the wicks were made out of worn-out linen from priestly garments. And I see the imagery of the youth pouring the oil. Sometimes what gets the church to move, sometimes what brings a new move of God, are not those that have been there for a while, but the youth, the people that just get saved. They're not old wineskins. They're not caught up in anything more than the worship of the Lord. And we may not understand their actions. We may, we may not understand all the things that they do, but he uses them to pour out the oil. And it's because the temple stood atop a hill. Those blazing candles illuminated the city below so that Israel could see it from afar. It was a beacon seen from afar. Well, are you getting it now? Have you heard this before? Matthew five fourteen through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lamp stand. And it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Oh, do you get it yet? You are the symbol of the light of tabernacles. You are the symbol of the glorious blaze of fire that led the children of Israel The Shekinah of God, the pillar of fire by day, the smoke by night, it accompanied them throughout their wanderings in the wilderness. Kind of makes sense then when he says to John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I'll lead you out of the wilderness. I'll walk you through the wilderness. I'll get you. To the promised land. John 9, 5, as long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. Those two sections right there tie the waters of Siloam to the light. How did he open the eyes of the blind man and bring light into his eyes? He used the waters of the pool of Siloam, made, took mud and formed new eyes in his eye sockets. And the one thing that the, the Jews and the rabbis and the Talmud would say about the illumination of the temple that accompanied the water-drawing ceremony, Josephus referred it to it as the holiest and greatest of the feast. And what it, the Talmud said is, He who has not beheld this celebration has never seen joy in his life. You have joy. You have the joy of your salvation. You have the joy of drinking from the wells of salvation. You have the joy of finding the light in your darkness. The water and the pillar of light provided during the wilderness wandering 
when the people dwelt in tabernacles was temporary in contrast to the continuing water and light claimed by Yeshua during the feast. So the law was read every seven years according to Deuteronomy 31, 10 and 12 in the festival of shelters, the festival of booths, the Sukkot. And it reminded the people of the covenant stipulations and of God's past acts of grace. Don't ever forget his grace. Don't ever forget what he has forgiven. Don't ever forget what he has overlooked. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. To the moons and stars to rule by night. For his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. For his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. For his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of this, midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, his mercy endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever, who remembered us in our lowly state and rescued us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all the flesh, for his mercy endures forever. O Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures forever. That's our Heavenly Father. That's that's the one who loves us. That's the one who saved us. That's the one who took us out of our wilderness experience. Maybe you need to get up in the morning and read that. That was Psalm 136, 1 through 26. Maybe you need to read it to yourself. Maybe get it into your head. His mercy endures forever. But see, the feast was also a harvest festival and the anniversary of the beginnings of their wanderings in the wilderness. And it had an agricultural connotation. 
marking the time when the farmers of Israel would gather the crops that had been drying in the fields. The feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you've gathered in the fruits of your labors from the field, Exodus twenty three sixteen. Deuteronomy sixteen thirteen through 15 You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your winepress. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the your Lord your God chooses. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all the work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice. It's supposed to be a joyous holidays. It is a festival, after all. A time of our rejoicing. Well, you know what that should remind us of? Of a harvest that we are a part of the ingathering, the final harvest. For this, the world, some in the world, will be a time of sadness for, for us. It'll be a time of joy. The prophecy in Joel 3.13, Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for the wickedness is great. The Lord said in Matthew 13, starting with verse 24, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. Then the servant said to him, Do you want us to go then and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you uproot the wheat with them. Let them grow together until the harvest and the time of the harvest. And I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, bind them in bundles, burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Yeah, we can get frustrated by the evil in the world. We can think God's going to punish them. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. No, he's not. He's just going to let it grow. He's going to let it happen. He'll deal with it at the final harvest. Mark four twenty six to 29 says the same thing. King of God is a man who should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. John 4.35, do you not say that there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Harvest has come. And he said to his disciples in Matthew 9.37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The tabernacle life should remind us of the end-time harvest. It should remind us that the tares and the wheat are going to grow together, and he's going to deal with it when that time comes. But it should remind us that he needs laborers. The tabernacle life reminds us that there's work to be done. But it's done with joy. That's what Sukkot was about. It was done with joy, and, and 
as as the sages said, and as it's already been pointed out, anyone's not seen the joy of the water drawing has never seen joy in his life. And they would dance, and the fires would be lit, and and, and celebration would happen to the point that even now, the dancing that starts in the enclosed areas, uh, the rabbis tell the people, take it out into the street, let everyone let everyone see your joy, celebrate, sing and dance. Sing before the Lord. I don't. I don't care what's going on in your life. It may be really bad, but let those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let also those who love your name be joyful in you. Psalm five eleven. Psalm nine two. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O God Most High. Psalm one. Uh, Psalm thirteen five. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Messiah's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Jude 1.24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his pre- the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And then Revelation 19, 6-7, and I heard as it was, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of many thunderings, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord, God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, his bride, has made herself ready. Father, we desire to live the full-blown tabernacle life We desire through your Holy Spirit to be filled with joy, joy in the morning, joy in the evening, joy in the middle of the day. We rejoice in the living waters that flow from our spirit through your Holy Spirit that we get to drink and we get to pour out to others who are parched and thirsty and needing a drink. We thank you for the tabernacle life that reminds us of the harvest and reminds us of getting ready to come to deal with it. We don't relish in their destruction. We don't relish in the burning of the tares. But we do celebrate in the harvest of the wheat. So help us now. Help us to do what we need to do. Help us to become what we need to become. Help us to answer all the questions that we we have inside of us so that we can live the tabernacle life we can be examples of those that are still in the wilderness that are coming out that don't know that there's joy on this side of the river. That they All they know is sadness. The young girl who came out of sex trafficking, they didn't deal with her wounds. They didn't deal with everything going on inside of her. They just plugged her back into a normal life, and the enemy still won. I pray that she knew you before she left. But let us not do that. Let us not do that. Let us rescue them and heal them. Let us rescue them and and teach them. Let us hold them. Let us weep with them and weep over them. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, your Son, King of kings and Lord of lords. Infuse us. Infuse us. Infuse us with the tabernacle life so that not only can we live it, but that we can give it to others. And I pray with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength that we do this and we touch and agree in Yeshua's name. Amen.
May the Lord bless you. Live the tabernacle life. If you have to listen to this again, do it. Take it to heart. Apply it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn. Learn smarter. If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.